Welcome to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. I'm Steve Casillo with the August 2nd, 2023, 184th edition, always broadcasting from the Sellmark Studios along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield News team. Coming up today, it's Mansfield News and Conversation. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice with our Mansfield trivia question, courtesy of Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. Could AI play a role in the safety of our school kids? It's back to school time in Mansfield. MISD to implement cell phone guidelines for upcoming school year. And in the talk segment, we go one-on-one with local family practitioner, Dr. Darren Charles. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is about Mansfield. Are you ready to create unforgettable memories? Picture this, an enchanting event venue nestled amidst breathtaking landscapes with panoramic views right here in Mansfield. The Grandview Event Center is the perfect setting to bring your vision to life. From intimate gatherings to large-scale extravaganzas, the Grandview has flexible spaces to accommodate any occasion, be it a trade show and exhibition, corporate event, or charity gala and fundraiser. Book your next unforgettable experience at thegrandviewmansfield.com. That's thegrandviewmansfield.com. The Grandview Event Center, where memories are made and dreams become reality. Book your event today. Hey, it's Steve Casillo, and we all remember the storm that blew through our town back in June that pelted this community with baseball-sized hail. It did a ton of damage around Mansfield, including my own roof. Regular listeners to About Mansfield have heard Paul Duncan's commercials for Trinity Roofing and Construction. And after the storm, I reached out to him, and boy, am I glad that I did. From the first call to Paul to working with the crew leader, the scheduling department, and the entire construction team, and how it all played out with my insurance company, working with Trinity Roofing and Construction was a breeze. It's easy to see why they're a platinum preferred contractor with Owens Corning with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. So if you're thinking on replacing your roof, look no further than Trinity Roofing and Construction. They're a Mansfield-based company, and you can find them on the web at trinityroofingconstruction.com. Again, that's trinityroofingconstruction.com. No matter your familiarity with buying or selling real estate, having an experienced, trusted advisor on speed dial is priceless. The Roger and Beth team of Century 21 Judge Fight is here to be that resource for you. Whether you're buying right here in Mansfield or your dreams are taking you elsewhere, we are ready to help you with turning that vision into a reality. To learn more, visit our website at homesinmansfield.com. That's homesinmansfield.com. Hi, I'm Michelle Newsom, Mansfield School Board Trustee, and you're listening to about Mansfield. This portion of the news is brought to you by the Grandview Event Center. Welcome back to About Mansfield. Could artificial intelligence be the cure-all for on-campus safety? Administrators at Mansfield ISD told school board members at a board meeting on Tuesday about a proposal to use Evolve Technologies, a company that claims its AI scanners can identify weapons on passersby. 
The technology flags items of concern on special displays, pinpointing where a weapon might be located on a person. The feature then allows human security guards to search a specific area on a subject rather than forcing them to undress. Educators have long complained that it takes too long for students to pass through traditional metal detectors as bell schedules do not wait for children to remove belts, shoes, or backpacks. The Evolve system scans individuals as they pass by its electronic towers. There's no need to undress, remove bags, or file through the detectors one by one. The company claims its technology caught more than 100,000 weapons in 2022. There's no word on how many of those weapons were on school campuses. It's not clear how Mansfield ISD would pay for the proposed technology, though the school district allocated nearly $7 million for security in its 2023-2024 budget proposal. The Houston Astros and Six Flags Over Texas Parks also use Evolve's technology, and so do at least 10 NFL teams monitoring visitors during events. The proposed school district program isn't official yet. It was simply a staff recommendation that was presented to the board. No final decisions have been made. It is almost time for MISD's back-to-school bash, and this year is going to be bigger than ever. Mansfield ISD will host its eighth annual event on Saturday, August 5th, from 7.30 in the morning until noon at the Center for the Performing Arts on Debbie Lane. The bash will officially kick off the start of the 2023-24 school year. In addition to a wide variety of activities and games, there will be backpacks, school supplies, student health services, and a lot more, completely free of charge to all Mansfield ISD students. And if you're interested in helping the district reach its fundraising goal for the event, please consider making an online donation or becoming an event sponsor. At the June 27th Mansfield ISD board meeting, trustees approved a new policy related to students' cell phone usage during the school day. Based on the new policy, Mansfield ISD is implementing new guidelines for the 2023-24 school year, limiting student use of cell phones and other personal electronic devices in our schools. The new guidelines are designed to limit distractions and learning disruptions in the classroom and include all devices used to communicate electronically, including, but not limited to, cell phones, smartwatches, and earpods and headphones. All students in grades K through 6 will be required to keep their devices turned off and stored away during the school day, except for before and after school. All students in grades 7 through 12 also will be required to keep their devices turned off and stored away during class periods. Class Campus principals will have the discretion to allow cell phone use during passing periods and lunch. If a student uses a cell phone without authorization during the school day, the device will be confiscated. A parent, guardian, or student may pick up the confiscated device from the office for a fee of $15. Campus administrators will state expectations at the beginning of the year, and administrators will monitor cell phone violations. If you have a comment about the show, the news, whatever's on your mind locally, tell us. What's on your mind? In fact, Chris wrote in via email. He says, I appreciate that all you and your crew do so Mansfield residents can listen to all that is happening in our great city each week. You put together a great podcast, and I very much enjoy listening to it. Well, Chris, we very much thank you for listening. Do you have a comment? In fact, we'd love to hear your voice. You can reach us by voicemail at 817-435-2938. Again, that's 817 435 
2938. Leave us a voicemail. You may hear yourself right here on this podcast. This coming Sunday, August 6th, is National Root Beer Float Day, a day that reminds us that it's perfectly okay to drop a big dollop of vanilla ice cream into an ice-cold mug of frothy root beer. It's also known as the Black Cow. The root beer float got its start in a Colorado mining town way back in August of 1893, and since then has become the signature dessert for restaurants like A&W Root Beer locations all across the country. Also happening this coming Sunday, and I only mention this because Oppenheimer is such a big hit movie right now, Sunday, August 6th, marks the 78th anniversary of the United States dropping an atomic bomb on Hiroshima, Japan. The B-29 Enola Gay was accompanied by two other B-29s, and after being given the all-clear, the bombardier deployed Little Boy containing approximately 141 pounds of uranium. The rest, as they say, is history. Go see the movie. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. I'm Angel Biasati, and we're going to offer you ways to beat the heat and stay cool. And Methodist Mansfield News to Know. I may not know whether you love them or hate them, but one thing I do know is that you have an opinion about them. I'm Beth Steinke, and we're going to talk about HOAs today on the Mansfield Real Estate Report. In this week's Cocktail of the Week, I'll be talking about a cocktail that will take you to a New York state of mind. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. This portion of the news was brought to you by the Grand View Event Center. The housing market is evolving as interest rates rise to meet inflation. Speculation abounds as to what the future may hold. Do you have a trusted advisor? The Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight should be your first call in all matters concerning real estate and the market. We specialize in residential real estate for both buyers and sellers. With industry partners across North America, our resources and expertise can turn the home you've been envisioning into a reality. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more. That's homesinmansfield.com. I'm Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them, and I talk about those lessons on the podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube, Wealth Building Made Simple. Congratulations to Chris Osborne, who is the first person to correctly answer last week's Mansfield trivia question. In what year did the Mansfield ISD Center for the Performing Arts open? Chris knew that the Mansfield ISD Center for the Performing Arts opened its doors for the first time just in time for high school graduations in June of 2012. When we come back, this week's trivia question, this is about Mansfield. At Methodist Mansfield Medical Center, we've been caring for our home team for over 15 years. Today, you'll find award-winning physicians on the medical staff, advanced neurosurgery, a level three trauma center, critical care for newborns, and comprehensive orthopedic care. Methodist Mansfield, delivering the care our friends, neighbors, and home team depend on. That's community, and why so many people trust Methodist. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio 
3.0. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield podcast episodes. What started out as an audio-only studio, Podcast Mansfield is now a full-service audio and video recording studio, complete with custom green screen backgrounds, two high-definition cameras, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and we can also help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows, such as Wealth Building Made Simple, We Are TPM, and Wealth Think Tank Television, just to name a few. So whether you're a hands-on person or just need a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is here to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 right here in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and you get to record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. Hi, this is Joe Jenkins with Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance, specializing in auto, home, commercial, and life insurance. I was born and raised here in Mansfield, Texas. We're active in the community, and Mansfield's a town we really care about. Our office has over 30 years experience in the insurance industry, and we're passionate about what we do and about customer service. For a free quote, please visit our website at joejenkinsinsurance.com or give us a call at 817-472-6058. Once again, that website is joejenkinsinsurance.com. It is time right now, this very second. Yep, don't go away because it is the highly coveted, wildly popular About Mansfield trivia question. If you are the first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com, you will receive a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice. It's brought to you by Joe Jenkins Insurance. Whether you're looking for homeowners, auto, commercial, or any other type of insurance, Joe has helped Mansfield area residents understand the insurance coverage that best fit their needs since 2010. You can find him on the internet at joejenkinsinsurance.com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, today's trivia question takes us back to the 1800s. Charles A. Smith, also known as C.A. Smith, owned the first cotton gin in Mansfield. He also owned a building on Main Street, which still stands to this day. This week's question is, what two businesses currently occupy the C.A. Smith building on Main Street in historic downtown Mansfield? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, what two businesses currently occupy the C.A. Smith building in historic downtown Mansfield? Here's a little hint. C.A. Smith and the current owner of the building share the same surname. Good luck, and thanks to Joe Jenkins Insurance for the gift card. Hi, I'm Corinne Fiagami, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Angel Biasati is here with tips on how to stay cool and beat the heat in today's Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Angel? If you want to stay cool, stay well hydrated. Drinking water is best, and avoid beverages that can contain alcohol, caffeine, or tons of sugar. Consume foods with a high water content like watermelon. The recommended daily amount of water you should drink is 8, 8 ounces of water daily. If you're exercising or sweating excessively, drink more water. A good way to test if you're hydrated is to look at your urine color. If it's dark yellow, 
you need more water. If it's pale, you're okay. Another way to cool down is place an ice-cold bandana around your neck or a washcloth with cold water. You can also fill a bag of ice and place it on your forehead or the back of your neck to cool down. Another way is to spritz yourself with some cool water. As the water evaporates on your skin, it helps cool you down. Stay cool in an air-conditioned area inside or place a shallow bowl of ice in front of a fan to cool off. In extreme heat, wear light-colored clothing that doesn't attract the heat of the sun. Synthetic fabrics are designed to wick away the sweat or loose-fitting cotton clothing. Avoid heavy meals or foods that are hard on your digestive system that makes you feel sluggish. Fruits and vegetables and fresh foods with high water content like green salads and smoothies are great choices. You can even try some spicy food. Hot peppers really can cool you down. Also pay attention to the signs of heat-related illnesses. Children, the elderly, people with disabilities, and those who work outside are at most at risk. Issues can occur with your cardiovascular system. Medications don't mix with the heat and can make it harder for the body to cool down. Most heat-related illnesses occur because of overexposure to heat or overexercising. You may need to modify your exercise routine and choose swimming or an indoor workout or work out during the coolest parts of the day, early mornings or in the evening when the sun starts to set. Signs of heat-related illnesses include headache, dizziness, weakness, nausea, heavy sweating, rapid heartbeat, and thirst. If this occurs, move to an air-conditioned area, take a cold shower, wet a washcloth with cold water, and place it on your forehead or on the back of your neck. Take small sips of water or a sports drink with electrolytes for about an hour. Sit or lie down so your body can rest. If symptoms don't get better or if they worsen, call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. That's Methodist Mansfield News to Know. I'm Angel Biasati reporting for the About Mansfield podcast. Realtor Beth Steinke is here with information on HOAs in the Mansfield real estate market update. Beth? We're diving into the intriguing world of homeowners associations, commonly known as HOAs. Love them or hate them, they are an integral part of many residential neighborhoods across our community. Let's explore what HOAs are, their mission, and why they evoke such passionate responses from residents. Let's start with a little history. 
Some of the first HOAs were formed early in the 20th century in Los Angeles County, beginning with the Arroyo Seco Improvement Association in Pasadena, founded in 1905, and the Los Feliz Improvement Association in Los Angeles, founded in 1916. These were born from deed restrictions and created a new kind of planned subdivision. They established a national legal precedent for zoning districts exclusively for upscale single-family residences. Private restrictions normally included provisions such as minimum required cost for home construction, square footage, architectural style, and in some cases, the exclusion of certain types of people. The concept of the planned communities where developers created residential areas with shared amenities and common spaces began to fully emerge during the 20th century. The goal was to offer buyers a more controlled and appealing living environment compared to traditional unregulated neighborhoods. However, the modern concept of HOAs as we know them today began to take shape in the 1960s and 70s. This was a period of significant suburban expansion in the United States, and developers saw the potential for creating planned communities with a sense of uniformity and community spirit. During the 70s and 80s, the number of HOAs in the United States expanded rapidly. Many new housing developments, particularly in suburban areas, adopted the HOA model to maintain common areas, regulate architectural standards, and provide amenities like swimming pools, tennis courts, and parks. The popularity of HOAs continued to grow into the late 20th and early 21st centuries. Today, it is estimated that millions of Americans live in communities governed by HOAs. These associations have become an important part of community living and have faced both praise for their ability to maintain property values and criticism for their perceived overreach and strict rules. So what exactly are homeowners association? An HOA is an organization established within a residential community. Its primary purpose is to manage and maintain communal areas, shared amenities, and enforce certain rules and regulations set forth in the community's governing documents. These governing documents often include the covenants, conditions, and restrictions, also known as the CCNRs, as well as bylaws and articles of incorporation. The mission of the Homeowners Association is multifaceted. One of their main goals is to maintain property value and uphold a certain standard of living within the community. They do this by ensuring shared spaces like parks, pools, and landscaping are well-kept and aesthetically pleasing. A newborn HOA is established and controlled by the developers to maintain that control over the development until a sufficient number of properties are sold. Once a certain threshold of sales is reached, the developer will transfer control of HOAs to the homeowners. Homeowners associations collect dues from residents, and these funds are used to cover the cost of maintenance, repair, and improvements for the common areas. In some cases, HOAs may even provide security services or organize community events and activities, and that fosters a stronger sense of belonging among the residents. With their focus on maintaining the quality of life and preserving property values, many residents find homeowners associations to be beneficial. I really like my HOA. We plan community events such as back-to-school bash, summer block party, movie night at the pool, and a holiday party. We have two community pools, a pond, green space, and walking trails. They also make sure no one paints their house an unnatural color and that yards are maintained. While many residents appreciate the benefits of living in an HOA community, it's essential to acknowledge that not everybody shares that same sentiment. Some individuals have strong opinions against homeowners associations, and they have their reasons. Whether it be because the rules are excessively strict and the HOA board members seem to enjoy enforcing them a little too much, it might feel like living in a dictatorship rather than a neighborhood. 
Another issue is the rising cost of HOA dues. While it's true that these fees cover maintenance and amenities, sometimes the expenses are mismanaged and dues keep increasing without much transparency. It can be frustrating for residents who feel like they're paying more and getting less in return. Our HOA has controls over the kind of trees we plant. We can plant oak, elm, or maple. If I want to plant a Texas pecan tree in my backyard, I'll need to get HOA permission to do that. Here are some of the other typical HOA rules and areas of control. HOAs may have rules regarding the type of architectural styles, exterior colors, materials, and landscaping allowed for homes within the community. These rules aim to maintain cohesion and an aesthetically pleasing neighborhood. HOAs may require homeowners to maintain their front and backyard in a neat and well-kept condition. This could include rules about lawn care, tree trimming, and weed control. HOAs often have rules related to parking, such as designating specific areas for guest parking, prohibiting parking on the street overnight, and limiting the number of vehicles that can be parked at a property. To maintain a peaceful environment, HOAs may set specific hours during which loud noises and disturbances are not allowed, such as late at night or early in the morning. HOAs may have rules about the number and type of pets allowed, leash requirements, designated pet areas, and even size restriction for certain breeds. Some HOAs limit or regulate the ability of homeowners to rent out their properties. This could include requiring rental approval from the HOA or setting minimum lease durations. I have a house listed right now in a small village-type community in Midlothian that does not permit homeowners to rent their homes out, and many HOAs are considering rule changes around short-term rentals. If the community has shared amenities like a pool, clubhouse, or gym, the HOA may have rules governing their usage, scheduling, and guest policy. HOAs may establish rules about trash disposal and recycling, including the use of specific containers or collection schedules and where they should be stored. Rules may dictate the placement and size of satellite dishes, as well as external additions like sheds, fences, and solar panels. HOAs typically have processes and penalties for enforcing these rules, which may include fines, warning, or legal action for repeat offenders. Did you know that an HOA lien must be satisfied before you refinance your house or sell? You may want to stick it to the man, but they will get their money when you move. These rules can change, and in general, once you are a member of the HOA, you have an obligation to follow all current and future rules. It's important to stay involved so you have a say on how your HOA matures and develops. It's clear that homeowners associations have significant impacts on the dynamics of community living. The key to successful HOA experience lies in the effective communication between residents and the HOA board, allowing for a better understanding of the community's needs and concerns. As neighborhoods continue to evolve, so too will the role and perception of homeowners associations. I'd love to feature your neighborhood with or without an HOA on the podcast. Send me an email to info at aboutmansfield.com with all the things you love about your neighborhood and listen for a shout out on a future edition of the Mansfield Real Estate Report. For the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Beth Steinke with Century 21 Judge Fight. Shaken or stirred. Either way, you know it's going to be good, as Brian Certain serves up a drink fit for breakfast at Tiffany's in the Cocktail of the Week. Brian? This week's Cocktail of the Week is the Tiffany's Mimosa. Several weeks ago, I started a new series on cocktails that I found on TikTok. And this week's cocktail is actually from Tipsy Goat Cocktails. Gotta love the name. Today's cocktail comes from my best impression of Hugo Lightly. Holly Golightly from Breakfast at Tiffany's fame. So bear with me as Hugh brings you this cocktail. Darlings, let me whisk you away to a world of elegance, charm, and effervescent delight. Picture yourself in a glamorous setting surrounded by sparkling lights and the tinkling of laughter. 
It's a sunny afternoon, and the air is filled with the promise of something extraordinary. And what could possibly be more extraordinary than indulging in a Tiffany's mimosa? As the iconic Hugh Golightly, I invite you to experience a libation that embodies sophistication and a touch of whimsy. This delightful concoction is crafted with finesse, combining sparkling white wine, lemonade, edible glitter, and a dash of blue carousel. It's a drink that sparkles and shimmers just like the jewels that adorn Tiffany and company. But let's begin with the star of the show, sparkling white wine, otherwise known as champagne, but you call it what you want. It's an effervescence that will dance across your palate, tickling your taste buds with a sense of celebration. The Christmas of the wine is a perfect canvas for the harmonious melody of flavors yet to come. Next, we're going to add lemonade, a burst of citrus that brightens the drink and adds a zesty twist. And like my vivacious sister, Holly Golightly herself, the lemonade brings a refreshing touch to the mix, bringing the sweetness with a tangy flair. It's the perfect marriage of effervescence and tang. But we can't stop there, can we? We truly capture the essence of Tiffany's. We sprinkle a pinch of edible glitter. Yes, I said edible glitter. Just like the glimmering diamonds adorning those coveted jewels, the edible glitter adds a touch of magic and whimsy to your mimosa. With every sip, you're transported to a world of elegance and sparkle. And now for the piece de resistance, the blue carousel. This enhancing liqueur adds a mesmerizing azure hue to your drink. For those of you from Texas, basically it's light blue. But it's very reminiscent of the Tiffany blue that has become synonymous with luxury and style. With its hints of orange and the mystique that it brings, Blue Carousel adds a captivating twist to the marmosa, leaving you an unforgettable sensory experience. With each sip of the Tiffany's mimosa, you are transported to the glamorous world of me and my sister Holly. This delicate bubbles tickle your nose and the citrus dances on your tongue and then shimmering glitter mesmerizes your eyes. It's a drink that embodies the spirit of Tiffany and company and my sister Holly. It's timeless, it's enchanting, and it's filled with wonder. So my darlings, let's raise our flutes and toast to the Tiffany's mimosa, a tribute to elegance, a celebration of life's precious moments, and a reminder that sometimes... A touch of sparkle is all it needs to make our dreams come true. But don't worry about taking notes. I'll be giving all the ingredients and instructions and posting them on your favorite website, bourbongospel.com. Ingredients, you're going to need sparkling white wine, two ounces of lemon juice, a half ounce of blue carousel, and edible glitter. To make the cocktail, pour in a couple of ounces of your sparkling white wine, then pour in the lemonade and then continue to top with the rest of the champagne. Put the edible glitter on top, and then pour in the half ounce of blue carousel. Let it settle, and then serve it. Again, the experience is absolutely fantastic. Here in the summertime, out on a patio, the colors just really pop. As always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at brian at bourbongospel.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain is known for saying, too much of anything is bad. Too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, 
I'm Brian Certain. Hi, this is Philip DeGroat, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I am Steve Casillo, making the transition from news to talk. And in the studio today, uh, he came recommended by a friend. And uh, and so I, I, I've known this guy for a long time. But I really don't know this guy at all. And so I, I thought, you know, yeah, let's bring Dr. Darren Charles into the studio. Uh, doctor, welcome Great. to About Mansfield. Yeah, thanks for having me. And can I call you Darren? Or, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, don't, I don't have to call you doctor? And, no, we, we, uh, we can, no formality for me. So okay. that's good. All right. Uh, you started out with the, the way we met. Uh, you're a general practitioner. I started out as your patient, and that's how we met. But I've, I've watched your practice grow. I watched you grow, uh, move from one building to another building, now into your own building. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that as the interview progresses. You're... You're not from Texas. Well, I was born in San Antonio, but okay. shortly after that, moved to, to Oklahoma, to Tulsa, and uh, grew up in Tulsa and then moved to Mansfield the day before I started my freshman year of high school. At Mansfield High? At Mansfield High School, yes. Let's go back to San Antonio. Okay. So, so you were born in San Antonio. You were there for how long? Just a couple of years, about two years. And so, so no memories of San Antonio whatsoever. The, have you been so back? It's, to? It's, a, it's a great place to visit. My, my family loves it and like to go to SeaWorld, like to hang out at the Riverwalk, but uh, no, I don't, no family memories of, of San Antonio. Have you gone back? To see the house that you lived in as a two-year-old. I've been back with my parents to see the old place that we've lived in before. Yeah. So, uh, you know, humble beginnings yeah. in uh, San Antonio. Where in Oklahoma? Uh, near Tulsa. Near Tulsa. Yeah. Great Little town of Catoosa. That's where you stayed up until... Yeah, we moved in there. We built a house uh, on my grandparents' property when I was about two or three years old and... Live there. I have two older brothers. And so uh, after my middle brother graduated high school, my dad got transferred to Dallas. And uh, that was right before I started high school. So that's when my parents and I moved moved to Texas, back to Texas. Transferred to Dallas. So what kind of work did he do? He's in accounting. Or uh, so he's retired does. now. But, okay. uh, but yeah, in an accounting for a steel company back then. But uh, Tell me about Catoosa, Oklahoma, the, yeah. the population and... and uh, you know, it was, a, it was a 3A high school. Uh, so I know my brothers graduated with probably around 100, 120 kids in their graduating classes. Um, I don't know what the population of, of Catoosa is now, although it's it's grown. There's a big uh, casino in Catoosa oh. now. Uh, and so a hard rock hotel and casino. So Things look different when I go back to uh, to that town than it certainly did when I was there. But uh, yeah, certainly rural Oklahoma um, is kind of where I went for elementary school, middle school. 3A, would that be a six-man football team or? Uh, no, no, I think we had a full, you know, 11-man uh, football team. Probably okay. not a lot of extra guys on the sidelines. <laughs> um, I know when we moved from there, they were still playing six-on-six uh, -six girls basketball. So the the girls played half-court offense and half-court defense. And oh, the, wow. So that was uh, when we moved to Texas, the big city of Mansfield. Five-on-five uh, -five, uh, girls basketball was a, was a step up for sure. Wow. Okay. Katusa, what are you doing on a Friday night in Katusa? <laughs> Me, not much of any. I mean, I only lived right, there until I was 13, so uh, so not much of anything. But uh, um, yeah, you know, we had family around, so probably most of that time was uh, uh, hanging out with family, going out to my 
aunt's house and and swimming. If it was the summertime, that was uh, you know riding bikes and uh, hanging out with friends, and uh, that's that's most of those years probably how I how I stayed busy. So mom and dad packed up the truck. They moved to Mansfield. That's right. Where you went to Mansfield High. Correct. Uh, what year did you graduate? So graduated in 95. Okay. So uh, yeah, so we moved, literally moved to Mansfield the to the day before high school started. Hadn't closed on our house yet. So we spent the first few weeks of my high school career living out of the Hampton Inn, yeah. which was up near 20 and Matlock. Uh, oh, so and not so the one that right was, here at 287. Oh, no, oh, no, that didn't exist then. So <laughs> uh, so that was the closest place we could stay was up all the way up in, in Arlington and uh, – Drove down to Mansfield, stayed in a, you know, we stayed in a, a two bed hotel room for a few weeks, uh, and uh, but no, that's that was it. Got started, got started at Mansfield High School um, back in, I guess that would have been ninety one, and then graduated in ninety five. How did that feel coming from I? Uh, Population yeah. of Catusa, I don't. Yeah, like I said, I don't. I don't know for sure, but but but, but Mansfield school wise was infinitely bigger, and in, you right. know, in my mind. So, so how did uh, that feel then? You going from from that little sure. the, the little town, Mansfield in ninety one was was still a pretty little town, sure. but felt enormous to me. I, I would think. Uh, yeah, now it was pretty intimidating. Um, certainly had uh, didn't know anyone. Walked into class that first day not knowing anyone. Uh, so uh, certainly some some fun stories to tell about you know eating lunch by myself those first few days oh, and no. uh, you know these sad sad stories of new kid in town trying to find his way but uh, uh, yeah it was uh, it was a big change but a, a lot of opportunities available through Mansfield that I wouldn't have had had I stayed in Catusa so uh, ultimately the you know a great move for me uh, personally. But uh, yeah, a little bit of a, a, a rough transition. Uh, luckily, found some got got brought into a, a loop of friends, um, and and those are still some lifelong friends I have now. So, uh, so that was including the one that recommended that, you be here. That's today. right. Yeah, yeah. That that, okay. that brought me here. Should uh, we give a shout out to Joe? Yeah, let's do it. So okay. Joe Jenkins. Uh, so yeah. So I met him at a uh, at a at a uh, lock in at First Methodist Church here in Mansfield uh, what, during what is, my freshman year. What is a lock in? So you know you show up in the at night and you try to stay awake all night playing games and and doing goofy stuff as a as a teenager and so uh, just a way to keep kids out of trouble and mm-hmm. and have fun and so uh, yeah another another friend of mine Mike had invited me and that's where I met Joe and uh, and so we've been been friends ever since. What was your favorite class in in high school? You know, they started the health occupations program here in Mansfield when I was there, and so probably that uh, obviously uh, kind of leads to where I am now. But uh, but those health occupations classes were were really well done, and and uh, you know uh, just getting started, trying to build a program that that still does really well now. Yeah. Uh, shout out to to Jane Getz; she was the uh, the. The person who brought that to Mansfield thirty years ago, I guess probably now, but I huh. uh, uh, still remember her and uh, and her trying to build that program. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that was, that was a- Jane Getz. Was your was your teacher? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and- yeah. She was a registered nurse. She's the one who started the program here in in Mansfield, as far as I know. I mean, you, I'd always you- wanted to be a doctor. I had grown up knowing so that's what that. I wanted to do. Okay, um, but. 
but that was a new opportunity that came up. Uh, I guess my sophomore year in high school, they started that program. And so I had three years in the in the health occupations program and just got a lot of experiences through that program. I saw the first baby born I ever got to witness. Wow. I, I witnessed the first patient I ever saw die in front of me on that rotation. While and you so were in high school. Everything in between. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's a lot of memorable uh, things that happened uh, through that program. So Were you a good student? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I mean, uh, fortunately, um, you know, school came pretty easily. Um, so um, I just had to, you know, uh, try to my best to stay out of trouble and uh, not not aggravate teachers. That was really the uh, the main uh, goal of, of my time in high school was uh, was to, you know, not not get in trouble while while being in school. So. Not get in trouble. And yeah. how difficult was that? Well, I was I was a pretty good kid. I just yeah. I was always uh, always cracking jokes and 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 aggravating folks, I guess. Uh, so we had some, you know, friendly run-ins with teachers. I guess never never anything uh, terribly bad. But you weren't uh, the class clown, though. Were you? Well, I I was voted most humorous of my senior class. Uh, so, but I was never <laughs> a. Uh, I was always the if you sat within two seats of me, then I was really funny, but I I didn't make you know disrupt an entire class. That was kind of my 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 approach. Were you involved in any extracurricular? Uh, so I played basketball for a couple of years, yeah. and then coach decided that was enough. That uh, I'd I'd had enough. My basketball career was over. You're not uh, six foot nine. So no, I, no. So that was that put an end to my uh, my basketball career, and then got into. Uh, uh, theater arts a little bit. Um, we started the improv troupe here in Mansfield. Mm-hmm. Joe and some other friends of of ours, uh, part of the theater class that started the the improv troupe that's still going strong I was uh, say, at Mansfield still, High School. Yeah. yeah, so that's uh, that's something that uh, kind of proud of. That uh, that was kind of the beginning of whose line is it anyways? And, yeah, and kind of the yeah. improv uh, becoming a popular thing. And so uh, we put on. Put on shows. We wrote sketch comedy and and improv shows, and so that was that was enjoyable. Just earlier today, and for the benefit of the listeners, this is being recorded on Monday, July twenty fourth. Uh, earlier today, sitting in that chair to your left uh, was also a Mansfield High School grad. She starred. She yeah. She had the lead role in Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. uh, so she played Belle. As a freshman, were you involved in any theater? I was not a great actor. No. Uh, I was, you know, I had small parts in our one act play and and so forth, but uh, never no starring roles. I really just did it my senior year. It was the only time that I got into it, but uh, but it was fun. It was enjoyable. Uh, like I said, I really loved the improv. I think improv was a you know just the spur of the moment uh, uh it it lets you show kind of wit and sarcasm and some of those kind of things uh which were more and, my style than than true acting i think and and thinking off the top of your head and so that also tends to show a level of vulnerability vulnerable I hate that word. Vulnerability. <laughs> you, you showed vulnerability by trying to say that word live during this. Uh, so that's impressive. That when you have to think off the top of your head. And right. by the way, how many questions had I prepared for this interview? <laughs> Zero. Blank Zero. slate. That's right. Which also brings up a, a level of vulnerability. There we go. That's one thing I really like about about improv mm-hmm. is that, yeah, it can all uh, – you can say something you didn't mean to say – or you shouldn't have said mm-hmm. because everything's on the fly. Yep. 
You can't take it back. Now, we have the benefit of, <laughs> of being able to edit this because it's being recorded, but when you're in front of an audience, right. that uh, that's not always the case. That's never the case. Yeah, yeah. Where'd you go to, uh, you graduated from, uh, from Mansfield, you went yep. to college. That's right. Yeah. So graduated from Mansfield in 95 and then went off to University of Oklahoma. Uh, so I went there for a year. Uh, my, my future wife. That would make you a sooner. That's correct. Still okay. a sooner. Yes, That's, that is I, true. I'm not from around here. So I have to figure out, okay, was that a cowboy or is that a sooner? <laughs> no, okay. no, no. Oklahoma State, U of O. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. So right. Oklahoma sooner. Sooners. I am a sooner. Um, <laughs> So uh, so went there for a year. Uh, my future wife had graduated with me and had gone to Stephen F. Austin. Mm-hmm. And so after a year of meeting halfway, driving back and forth and realizing that, that we were probably in this for the long haul, um, we uh, look at our, looked at our options and, and I ended up transferring to Stephen F. Austin. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so we both went to Stephen F. Austin for the rest of college. You went to college – a specific college for a girl. Yeah, you know. But it worked out because it, you're... you're... It, it all worked out. Now, obviously, it made my parents nervous. Uh, yeah. I was, you know, leaving a, a big university with dreams of going to medical school for a smaller university. Um, I was told by the pre-med department at Stephen F. Austin that 90% of their pre-med graduates got into the the medical school of their choice. Um, I later found out that was totally bogus. I'm not sure <laughs> who came up with that statistic, but uh, uh, not not the case. The year I graduated from Stephen F. Austin, of all the pre-med people who started whenever I started, there were four of us that got into medical school that year. So I'm not sure what that percentage would be, but certainly nowhere near 90 wow. percent of, uh, of folks. So. Um, but yeah, it worked out great for me. In a um, similar case, I'm, I'm not sure if this was exactly if she chose the college because of the boyfriend, but uh, uh, my son is a year older than his girlfriend, and he was going to UNT, and then all of a sudden, the next year, she's at UNT. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they had two years apart. She was still at UNT, and he went to University of Minnesota, where they had a long-distance relationship, and now... They are fiancés. There you go. And it's... Very good, yeah. And it's working. So long-distance relationship... It, it worked for us. And this was pre... You know, really pre-internet, uh, certainly pre-texting. Pre-FaceTime. Uh, so, <laughs> so long distance still cost money. Um, so we were discouraged from calling each other. And so uh, so we, we have boxes of letters. We literally wrote letters back and forth to each other for, you know, the better part of a year. And we have boxes of, of old letters between my wife and I from our, our freshman year of college. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. And there'd be road trips where you meet in the middle? Yeah, or? yeah. we usually would meet, you know, it's about here is about midway and oh, okay. we're both from here. So we would meet here and then every once in a while make the full trip all the way to one or the other. But uh, a lot of driving that first year. Let's talk about med school. Yeah. Where, so where was that? That was back at OU. So after okay. I graduated from Stephen F. Austin, went to back to OU for medical school. So you get a little whoof from your parents. So, yeah, that, that's that, right. That, all right, so, he's back. <laughs> so uh, yeah, got back to uh, OU. So was there for for four years uh, of medical school. And your wife's name is Dana. So you were dating Dana. So at we the time. started dating again in college. We got married between our junior and senior year of college. So we oh, were actually okay. married. So uh, so she's been along for the whole ride. So she. Went on my medical school interviews with me, uh, which probably made me look better. Uh, so that was good. Uh, and uh, so, 
So yeah, so we uh, graduated from college, had a couple of different options for for medical school, had to choose between going to to Houston or going to uh, to Oklahoma City to to OU, and chose to go to Oklahoma City, and uh, it was great. Uh, it's a really good medical school. Uh, Busy, lots of hours, but when you graduated then from OU, the med school, mm-hmm. um, you didn't just jump into a practice, right? I, so I after medical s- school, you have to do residency, right? So, uh, so, so it's undergrad, and then it's four years of medical school, and then it's residency for whatever your field is. So, I'm a family physician, so family medicine is a three year residency. So, we moved from Oklahoma City to Tyler. Uh, I did three years of, of residency in Tyler, and so as a, a a GP, a general practitioner, you do you have to know more than a specialist? I, you know, what I tell people is is I'm supposed to know everything one to two layers deep, right? Yeah. So I need to be able to to recognize and manage almost everything at to some depth. Um, where where a specialist comes in obviously is is really that deeper knowledge for more complicated the third cases layer and or beyond. If there's, that's right <laughs> uh, or or procedural things yeah. right so so if there's tests and studies that they need to do that I'm not trained to do or, or not capable of doing so um, so I guess you know I mean you could argue I have to know more things but at a, a lesser depth probably than yeah than I was, specialist would I was gonna say a, a podiatrist knows right. feet. But That's right. you can't go to a podiatrist yeah. and say, I have an earache. Yeah. So I think the most yeah. important thing that family physicians have to know is is what they don't know. And so you you manage things to a point where you realize this person's better off seeing a specialist, right? So right. I'm, I'm, so the GP is, a, is basically, the, if needed, the conduit to a specialist. Yeah. And I, I would assume this then, uh, it it takes away having to go to a specialist when they don't need to go to one. Right, right. So I think, you know, I mean, if, if somebody calls me and says, you know, my knee hurts, who do I need to go see? I would normally say, come see me. Right. And because I feel like, you know, a good majority of the time, unless they need surgery, it's something that we can manage. And and so I think that's the idea, is that we're able to to manage a lot of things that, that don't require a specialist, um, but absolutely having a good working relationship with with specialists in all the fields is, is key. And even if you do need a specialist, having a family physician who knows how to do the initial test, get the initial studies done so that when I hand them off to a specialist, it's much easier for them to sort of take that patient and, and move forward rather than to sort of start from from scratch. And so, so you know, I think when it comes to that, Again, part of my job is, is knowing when to see a specialist, but also how to set the person up to see the specialist so they can get the most out of it as quickly as possible. And you know all the specialists in town. Yeah. You know, I mean, I started practice here uh, before the hospital opened. So I was was the first physician associated with the Methodist sort of network um, here in Mansfield. And so so my practice actually opened about six months before the hospital opened. That's right. You were uh, in the professional building. So I was – Professional building one. I was in an older building actually for a few months before that even opened. And then – and then when the hospital opened, I moved into that professional building one right there next to the hospital. And so we did have a on handful the, of specialists and primary care doctors here in Mansfield. But 
And uh, so, yeah, it was funny. You know, I moved into that suite and it was it was myself and one MA and my office manager. Um, and we were in an office building that was built out for six doctors, right? I mean, in, oh, a, wow. in an office space that was built out for six doctors. And so just this huge spa- empty space and I had virtually no patients. I, you know, I came straight <laughs> from residency, so I didn't have any sort of uh, built-in built in patients. So we'd, you know, we'd sit around and see two or three patients a day yeah. and, uh, and go to, you know, go to events in the community and, and try to talk to people about our, about the practice. And, uh, ultimately that practice grew and we added more doctors and more doctors. And uh, how difficult I'm relating this to say someone who's just opened a restaurant mm-hmm. has no customers. Mm-hmm. They close at 10 o'clock and at seven o'clock, there's no <laughs> one in the restaurant for three hours. Right. How, What's going through your mind when you've got only three patients in right. a day and and you're late twenties, mid twenties? Yeah. yeah, I mean I mean so by the time you finish everything, you know, you're about twenty nine or thirty yeah. by the time you finish residency if you go straight through. So uh yeah, so I was probably twenty nine at the time. Um and so you know, I mean, you, you have faith it's going to work out, I guess. You know, I was never really doubted that it was going to work. Yeah. The question is always, am I better off sitting in my office or am I better off being out doing something? And so a lot of times if I didn't have patients, we'd, you know, just be out anywhere, you know, try to find any sort of organizations or meetings or things to go to. But even just going to the store, walking around, you know, you never know, right? Well, so you said – when you said get out in the community, I immediately wrote down the initials MMC mm-hmm. because you're involved with the Mansfield Mission Center. Right. Yeah, I am now. Now, that's not something yeah, that not, I was – not back uh, then. Back but, then, but yeah, that's um, right. So I'm the medical director for the Mansfield Mission Center, have been um, for I guess about four years now. I yeah, think, okay. I uh, think probably this month would be four years and so uh, – so yeah, the, for the medical clinic there specifically, right. and uh, so help help find volunteers and uh, let's go back to uh, no. uh, <laughs> the uh, Methodist Mansfield. So you left uh, you left the tower, you left the third floor. Yeah. So we built that uh, office out till it was jam packed. So we started with it empty, and so you and outgrew got, it, and and got too busy, and so then I sort of satellited off a brand new office up uh, up by Lifetime off Matlock and Debbie yep. with Methodist still. And uh, so I moved up there by myself, and then um, we grew that practice out uh, and until it got full. And uh, and that's when I learned that I, I liked building practices, and yeah. uh, I liked that uh, that space is something that, that interested me, and uh, so ultimately led me to start my own practice. Your own practice, which is actually just right down the street from mm-hmm. from the old place. Uh, the old place right by Fuzzy's and Poured and Jet's Pizza. Uh, you're now a little further east, east. down Debbie Lane in, in your own building. You- uh, well, it's not my building. Oh, I was uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a. Uh, but but I share some space, uh, a building there with an insurance agent and a and a law firm. Describe what because you you went through a different uh, business method with with this new practice. What is what is a concierge? Practice right. right, yeah. So, so what I do now technically is called direct primary care, and so basically what that means is that uh, is that we don't bill or collect anything from insurance, and so we have a, a contract with our patients, basically a membership, mm-hmm. and so folks have either a monthly or an annual membership with the practice, and then it's kind of all you can eat. 
from there. So uh, I tell people it's like Netflix for for family medicine. So <laughs> so you pay a monthly membership, and then however often you need us, whatever it is you need from us, we don't bill per thing we do. So we don't. There's no charges for visits or for routine labs or for procedures in the mm-hmm. office. It's just a fixed monthly membership fee. It sounds then, like an open door for hypochondriacs. <laughs> so you know, I mean, I think that. Uh, that you know, for for people who worry about their health a lot, it certainly uh, yeah. is a is a relief knowing they've got access because really, you know, what it allows me to do. So when when I left Methodist um, and like most full time family physicians, I had about thirty five hundred people who would call me their doctor. So I was I was the primary care doctor for probably about thirty five hundred people in wow. town, um, which for for a lot of people meant if they had a question or they needed to get in and get seen quickly, it was inconvenient, right? right. It's hard to get in quickly. It's hard to get a call answered. Uh, there's a lot of other people answering phones and answering questions. Um, and so and so, uh, what I realized was the number one complaint I had was it's just too hard to get in to see you when I want to see you. It's just too hard to get a hold of you when I want to get a hold of you. Mm-hmm. So, so this practice by cutting out all the – all the middleman overhead red tape, right? So um, we've, you know, streamlined things that uh, that I have a practice of about 600 patients. That's a, a full practice. So I'm working at about, you know, with about 20% of the patients that I would have been working with previously. Um, so that makes me a lot more available and accessible. So, so my patients can can call or text anytime they have questions. We can almost always see them the same day if they need to get in and get seen. Oh, wow. I'm the only physician in the practice. Um, I have an, an office manager who's a who's also a medical assistant, and then one other part time medical assistant. And we're the only three people in the office. So, I tell people if you if you call, one of the three of us is going to answer the phone. That's uh, there's no phone <laughs> trees. There's no. Uh, no centralized no call push, center. Push one for English, nope. put two two for Spanish. Nope, none of that. So <laughs> uh, so we've we've tried to tried to streamline it. You know, I when I decided I was going to do this, and and it was probably about an eighteen month process from deciding I was going to make the move to actually you know starting the practice. Um, the the one word that I built the whole practice on is simple. So it was the design was how do I take out any possible complications? How do I make this as insanely simple as possible for me and my staff, but also for the patients? And so, um, so we just, you know, we try to keep it as all inclusive as possible. And so, uh, you know, when you, when I'm done seeing you, you don't have to check out, you don't have to, there's no bill, there's no, uh, there's nothing to do, right? I mean, that's just it. You walk in, you get seen, you walk out, and next time you need me, you shoot me a text and we, we get you taken care of. So, All right. So so let's say someone does have insurance. Yeah, most of my patients do. They so, can still come see you. That's right. So most of my patients have health insurance um, mm-hmm. and, and it still works for all the stuff that happens outside of my practice. So if you okay. need to go get an MRI or you need to go see a cardiologist, you would, you would still use your insurance insurance, just like you always would. Um, we just don't actually bill or collect anything from insurance. There's no super bills. There's no, yeah. you know, anything to file for your insurance. Um, Are there other doctors doing this or did you just dream this up? So no, uh, this isn't my creation. No. This is something that, uh, <laughs> this is something that's been building, you know, I mean, I guess probably 15 years or so now, but there's, uh, from what I can tell, there are maybe 2,000 family practice doctors in the country that do what I do. So it's it's a pretty small number, obviously. Okay. Uh, and uh, but but growing, you know, I mean, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of dissatisfaction and burnout amongst physicians for sure. Um, I, I'm happy to say that's that's not what led me to change. You know, I mean, I was I was fine. Uh, I just felt like I could do better. I, I felt like I could provide a, a better level of service and uh, than what we were doing before. But well, uh, and I think it's your. You're well known in the in the community. You had three thousand patients, and again, going back to, gosh, I can't get a I can't get an appointment for right. six months away. Yeah, and that uh, right yeah, so, keeping keeping that simple business plan. Yeah. So 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 knowing all of that, how many people do you think when I decided to change said, "All right, we're in. Sign me up." Out of thirty five hundred people, uh, you you tell me <laughs> forty forty signed yeah. up immediately. Yeah, so so and, uh, so that's a, a humbling number, right? But but we're dealing with with healthcare, a complicated healthcare system, and I'm trying to introduce people to a, a whole new model that nobody's ever heard of before. That that for a lot of people feels like we're we're throwing away their insurance money if they're going to pay for insurance and then come see yeah. me too. Why would you do that? You know? So and did so, you feel like 40, 40 people, did you feel like when you first started your practice and you've only got three patients in a day, did you, yeah. you go, oh, here we go again? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I assumed that somewhere between five to 10% of my patients would follow me in, initially. So mm-hmm. I was expecting, you know, 150, 200 patients, something like that is kind of yeah. what I thought. So so forty was a humbling number, uh, but uh, but you know humility is well, a good thing. I'm uh, sorry I didn't follow you. No, that's okay. <laughs> humility is a good thing, uh, and uh, and so but the practice continued to grow, and uh, as people learned what we did, and and still now, I mean, I you know within the last few months, I've had patients who were my patients over four. It's been four and a half years ago now that I started my own practice, and I have patients who were patients of mine at my old practice that said, "We're signing up." We we still, yeah. you know, it's been almost five years and we still haven't found anybody that, that meets our needs and it's not a good fit where we are. And and so I still have old patients of mine that are that are joining my practice now. So it's well, they're, a, they're older. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If someone wanted information about your practice, uh, I, I don't even know the name of your practice. Yeah. I know where you're at. Absolutely. But, yeah. yeah. So it's called Hometown Health. Hometown uh, Health. Yeah. So basically, you know, like I said, it's uh, my it's just a private practice. My wife and I came up with the name. Uh, uh, you know, we we finished out the building. We picked out the paint colors. We literally sketched the on a napkin the diagram. Uh, you know, I'm not part of any bigger organization or anything like that. But you know, we're starting my own practice in my hometown, and uh, we try to keep it as simple and and uh, uh, comfortable as as possible. Is kind of the the theme of the whole thing. So, does Hometown Health have a website? Myhometownhealth.org. So uh, all the good hometown health websites were already taken, unfortunately. So I got stuck <laughs> with myhometownhealth.org. I hope we drum up uh, a patient or two. Yeah, have, uh, give us I, a call. We're certainly... Uh, myhometownhealth.org. That's it. And is there a phone number that goes along with that? Sure. 817-854-2968. Um, if, you know, if you want to learn about kind of how medicine's being done differently in the area. Uh, or the other thing I would say is... If if you're frustrated at how your doctor is working, I'm not trying to steal you as a patient. Uh, ask your doctor if they've ever considered uh, doing a, a different practice style and and how 
how they're doing. I would love to, you know, I love talking to other doctors who are looking for for alternatives as well. So. Maybe a, a doctor who's showing frustration with filing yeah. insurance. That's right. Yeah. I mean, there's, like I said, there's a, a lot of burnout and uh, yeah. frustration with, with physicians these days. Uh, the, the system is hard. Um, and in order to be successful in the system, you have to uh, you have to play the game, and you have to see a lot of patients, and you have to do a ton of paperwork, and you you have a lot of restrictions on on how you do things. And so, um, you know, what I found was the only way to to do that was just to create something totally outside of the system. Uh, sure. So it's completely different than what people are used to, but that's by design. Good to finally sit Absolutely. down and, and find out who Darren Charles is, and yeah. This may not be the last time you show up here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Darren Charles, thanks for being on About Mansfield. Yeah, thank you. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, as we prepare to send the kids back to school, we're going to be talking education next week. You'll just have to find out who we're going to talk education with. As always, this is the place where you'll hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and conversation. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love, or support this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Head on over to our website, aboutmansfield.com. Right there on the homepage, enter your email address. Every time a new episode comes out, we send you an email. And we never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Methodist Mansfield News to Know, Angel B. Asadi. Mansfield Real Estate Market Update, Beth Steinke. Cocktail of the Week, Brian Certain. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. This podcast is copyrighted by Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio for the private use of our audience. Any other use of this podcast without written consent is prohibited. We thank you all for listening on behalf of the entire news team. I'm Steve Casillo, and this... is about Mansfield. Mansfield.